All right. Hey, that was fun watching those guys, wasn't it? Yeah. Didn't they do a great job? Love them. And we're so thankful to be able to, to do this together. This is the first time Nathan and I have ever tried to do anything like this one. So here we go, Let's but he, his idea, all right. Uh, <laughs> happy Father's Day. We want to uh, just say to all the guys, it's a tremendous blessing. Want to cheer you on the whole weekend long. We certainly want to take a moment to welcome everybody that's uh, online in any way. So glad. Let's welcome them yeah, into the room. Yeah. So glad the guys are with us in that way. Uh, and Nathan was telling about this. I kind of leading off a little bit, but mine's just a, a little early beginning. I've got a few slides. Everybody has a little slide reel in your mind. And when you think about Father's Day, you have to, to realize. So take a look at the screen as that goes on by. This is me and my dad when I was real little, okay? A Maxwell, yeah, that has an awe feeling to it, doesn't it? He was doing the coffee. I was into the French toast, I think, at that point, it seems like. Now, in our, in our life, as we go on, we find out we're with a family. And here's a little shot of my whole family, uh, me and my sister, mom, and dad in that way. And we look like kind of a, a typical kind of a bunch. Fast forward a whole lot of years, and next thing you know, I'm in college. And I got a picture with me and my dad. And, uh, yeah, the hair was a little wild at that point. And uh, a little bit taller than him anyway, but when you stand on the, the step behind him, you, you definitely are. But God led me to uh, southern Indiana, found uh, the, the, the love of my life in Sioux Lynn. Next thing you know, we're married, and, uh, and uh, there we are. We've got a little girl, Rachel, born right there at, at Norton's. And before you know it, there's four of us. And uh, Nathan comes along before too long. And there we are uh, on that. So yeah, everybody has a reel kind of like this. Next thing you know, you find out that your kids develop these interests. Rachel got into the piano for a little while. I mean, she got into all sorts of other little things. But this was a kind of a neat time. After that, we, we at the same church we were at in the south end of Louisville, me and Nathan hung out a lot at church. I drug him there for everything. We even got the same hairdos at one point. Uh, uh, so we, we had a great time with all of that. And in, in your life as a dad, you realize what a privilege this is, and it goes so fast. Just a moment, you think you have a handle on where the kids are at in that stage, they're on to the next stage. And Rachel came to that next stage in her life where the spiritual things that we had talked about became a reality, and the day she was baptized was such a, a wonderful time. It became such, such a moment. Now, Nathan develops a few other interests uh, in sports and things like that. And he, uh, he got to play for Silver Creek his last year as we moved back here from Las Vegas. And uh, on one particular weekend, they caught him and he, he, uh, he was on like the front page of the sports. I bought 50 papers that weekend, <laughs> all right? Like any dad would do. Just think, man, when is this going to happen? Let's, let's grab that, that moment there. Next thing you know, Rachel is graduating from college and time goes on. Yeah, we, we were supposed to do jazz hands, but this guy didn't even listen to what we were doing, all right? He was off on the own. I think somebody else was over there. Next thing you know, he graduates. And, well, it wasn't necessarily uh, posted on me, but I, I could uh, hold on to him at least a little bit then. But after that, our daughter uh, goes off to uh, uh, Romania and uh, uh, the, the, the beginning of, of a mission work and just this little precious uh, abandoned girl that uh, named Isabella uh, that she had the wonderful privilege of, of adopting. And as her passion and as her calling changes, uh, so does our families. The next thing you know, Nathan finds the love of his life with Ruthie. And we got a picture of me and him all dressed up uh, right here, you know, uh, quite a few years back on, on his wedding day. 
And then the next thing you know, you, you, uh, as you become grandparents, you have uh, all of her family and uh, you have a great time with Rachel and, and, and Bella and little Isaiah and all of uh, his family. And the feeling of being a dad just, just builds in you so much and develops and you, you realize what a blessing that is. Uh, but it all goes back to that time of me being with my dad and thinking about how can I honor him in any way that I can right now. Uh, he's a joker, so we love to put each other in a headlock and tickle one another, sneak up on each other, and have a, have a lot of fun that way. Uh, a few years ago, I had a chance to remind Dad of the, the war memorial back in our hometown, and his name is right on there. He was in the Battle of the Bulge in World War II, and he knew what that uh, defending the country, risking his life was all about. Uh, he gets a little silly, and we decided, since all of us have the middle name Wayne, Eldon Wayne, George Wayne, Nathan Wayne, and even Carter Wayne and Z, we decided to have a little Wayne's World moment. On that. <laughs> and you, you got to stay, stay silly and all that. But the final slide takes me back to that first one of the, the celebration of being a dad is such a blessing. I have had a dad who loved God very much. I've had a mom who loved uh, God very much right along his side. I'm very blessed with a wonderful wife and a wonderful family, uh, growing up with a, a great sister, Kathy. And, and uh, today, dads, we celebrate you. We encourage you. We want to do all that we can to, to do that in, in a vulnerable and a God-honoring way. But dads, thank you for your calling. We celebrate who you are today. So like dad's saying, uh, fellas, we're not here to beat you down. We're here to build you up. We want to pour into you and you see the scope of life and you see the goodness of life uh, from that one little moment from dad's kind of sitting at a coffee can uh, moment that God has so many things in store for all of us. Uh, and this is why we're doing the word to the wise and why the Proverbs are so important because God speaks to every season of life. And here's the good news. Every single one of us needs God's wisdom. And I want to show you why dad and I need God's wisdom is because oftentimes we lack wisdom. And I got one more family photo that will prove that we lack wisdom. And uh, this is 25 years ago. For whatever reason, I thought that was cool. And dad, I think that haircut and stash is actually back in style now. So you were, you were just 25 years ahead of your time, my man. Here it comes uh, again. It's just not there. Yeah. <laughs> But this is it for us. This is where today, what we're going to talk about as we look at the book of Proverbs, we're going to look at one verse, and it's going to allow us, no matter where you are in your journey, to really grow in what God has for you. And uh, we want to do, you know, uh, Sam talked about, we got hot dogs and we got dad's root beers. And dad, we have one more gift for you today. Uh, when you leave this place, dads, uh, we have a book because sometimes, uh, and this is what I've learned about every season of life, whatever season you're in for the first time, you have no idea what you're doing. And that's okay. This is why we need God's wisdom. And for you dads here today, we've got a book. Uh, you can pick it up whatever door you leave out of, but it's called The Dad Difference. And what's, what's really neat about this is it's called The Four Most Important Gifts You Can Give to Your Kids. And uh, it's written by a pastor, Brian Loritz, about his dad, who was a pastor, and everything that his dad taught him and the wisdom that God poured into them. And he uses an acronym, RITE, R-I-T-E, and this is what it stands for. Relationships, integrity, teaching, and experiences. And what he says what dads need to be the most is this. Dads, you can either be the headwind 
into the life of your kids, which kind of hold them back, or you can become the tailwind and begin to launch your kid into what God has for you today. And so that's what we're going to look at today. The good news is this, with this passage, it, it, yes, it applies to dads and it applies to fathers, but it actually applies to all followers of Jesus. Now, some of you, you may have heard this before. It's Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. It's just one passage, and this is what it says. Train a child in the way that they should go, and in the end, they will not depart from it. Now, here's the hard part about parenting. You can do everything right, and your children still choose to not listen to you. And here's the other side. You can do everything wrong, and yet your children choose to not repeat your life, and you see them flourish. But this proverb is saying this, the best way for you to parent, the best way for us to be followers is this, that you and I start well. That's what it means to when it says to train, to train a child, to start a child in the way that they should go. Something I'm really excited about that's going to happen here on Monday morning at 8 a.m. is we have 231 of our elementary kids showing up on this campus. And here's the cool thing. We have 81 volunteers of you who are said, I am in to start these children in the way that they should go. Can we just cheer on our next generation and our volunteers? This is our heart at Northside. We want to start the next generation in the way that they should go. Heard Albert Tate, a great pastor, said this. He said, here's why this matters. He said, because Satan doesn't just want to try to take down individuals. Satan operates generationally. And this is what he wants to do. He wants to take parents down, not just so that the parents would fail, but that the next generation would fail as well. See, this is why it's so important that we train and that we are trained in the way that God has called us to go. Uh, matter of fact, when I uh, took the, the job as the lead pastor, something really happened, our, neat happened was our elders said this. They said, Nate, we, we want you to do this, but here's under one condition. Every summer, you have to take a study break to go be with your family. You need to take four weeks, and then say what they challenged me to do. They said, they, we want you to go, and we want you to, to go away, be with the Lord, to pray about what, the God, what God's calling us to do in a vision way, and then we want you to take time with your family. Because this is what they were saying, Nate, you need to learn to train yourself. You need to learn to create space and not just go all the time. And I'm really excited about who God has brought over the next couple of weeks to speak here. I got a quick picture. Uh, starting next week, I got a buddy, Brad Tate. He's a pastor up in Michigan. He's gonna come and speak. He's actually gonna come and speak Sunday night as well for our high school conference next Sunday. Uh, and then dad will be back here to preach on July 4th weekend. Uh, my buddy, Caleb Kaltenbach, he's an author of a book called Messy Grace, will be here. And then our good friend, Dave Stone, will be here on July, tw uh, July 17th and 18th over the next couple weeks. But this is what I love about all of us. And if you're taking notes, this is what this scripture is all about. And this is where we're going today is that wisdom is found in training, not trying. Oftentimes, this is when I've failed the most, even as a follower of Jesus or as a father is this, I've just tried my best. Anybody hit that wall where you've tried your best and you just found out it's just not good enough? See, this is why this passage says, train a child. It doesn't say try to lead your child. It says train a child. Begin to invest in others. Because here's what happens. Trying leaves us defeated. But training leaves us developed. Man, there's something that happens when we train. There's something that happens when we give ourselves to the ways of God. 
And if you're taking notes, you may want to write this down. This is what happens when we begin to train. Here's the difference between trying and training. Trying is the pressure to be perfect. And all of us, we carry that pressure, don't we? We're trying to be the perfect Christian, we're trying to be the perfect parent. And then eight o'clock happens and you're like, it's out the door, right? Your day doesn't even go well. You don't wake up well. Trying is about this pressure to be perfect. Training is, a God, is about God perfecting us through pressure. About God using our everyday life to grow us to be more like him. And I told you guys, today this passage isn't just for parents or fathers. This passage is for followers because Jesus, the greatest leader and savior of all time, and second to him, the apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament. Here's what's interesting about both those guys. None of them were biological fathers, but each of them led a movement of training people to walk in the ways of God. Matter of fact, this is what I love about Paul, the Apostle Paul. He wrote to Timothy, and when he wrote in 1 Timothy, this is what he said. He was a man who was committed to training, not just trying. And this is what he writes to Timothy, and I love it. In chapter 1, verse 2, he writes to him, and he says, Timothy, a true son in the faith. My true son. And listen to what he tells him. In chapter 4, verse 7 through 8, he says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. He doesn't say, Timothy, just try your best, buddy. He says, train yourself to be godly. He said, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. See, God has called you and I to a life of training in Jesus. Now, some of you are going, what does that look like to train? This is what it looks like to train in the ways of Jesus. Three words. If you're taking notes, you want to write it down. Here's our training in the way of Jesus. Carbs. Some of you are already in, right? You're like, carbs, right? Carbs, cardio, and community. This is what God says godly training looks like. Now, when you're going carbs, what do you mean by carbs? Here's what carbs are. When we, you and I begin to train in the ways of God so that we won't leave it, this is what carbs represent. Carbs represent you and I feasting on God's word. You and I will never get away for our need for God's word. Jesus even says this when he's tempted. Satan goes to tempt him. What he's trying to do is he's trying to steer him away from his training. You know what Jesus says? He says, man does not live on bread alone, but he lives on every word that comes from the mouth of God. My wife will lovingly remind me, I'll say, man, I got to get back in the gym. I got to get back in shape. And she goes, just change the way you eat. I'm like, well, I'd rather just get back in the gym. And she goes, yeah, that won't change anything if you don't change the way you eat. Because this is what we know. What we eat, we become. This is why Jesus says, don't feast on anything else, but man, feast on God's word alone. This is why Timothy is written to by Paul, and he says, yeah, yeah, physical training is of some value, but godliness, training in the ways of God, changes everything. He writes this to him again in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says this to him about God's word. He says, all scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and then here's the word again, training in righteousness, and here's why, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God has a good work for you and I to do. God has a good training for you and I to do 
but it comes through God's word. One of the things that is Nathan's talked about that God's word being the thing that we need really good training in. That's one of the things as Sue Lynn and I, uh, we've tried to raise our kids is to always elevate that, uh, the role of God's word in their heart and in their life. And uh, there's a, a, a phrase that says values are caught, not taught. Would you say that with me? Values are caught not taught. In other words, the values that we have, what we value, they pick that up. Our behavior, they pick that part up. Uh, so we always try to, to make sure as much as we could. Sometimes we'd underdo it. Sometimes we'd overdo it a little bit. Uh, for a period of time when the kids were young, uh, Nathan was about four, Rachel was about six, uh, Sue Lynn worked, uh, we tried to keep her from working as much as you could because in ministry you're always running here and there. And, and she, she worked, I think it was like on a Thursday. So I take care of the kids on, on Thursday and uh, what, what would happen is they'd want to play church on my day off. You, you, you'd think I'd get a break from some of that in there somewhere. But on, on this particular uh, day, uh, it's just, just the three of us there, uh, Rachel said, hey, I'll, I'll lead a couple of songs and Nathan says, well, I'll tell a Bible story. So I thought, okay, it's going to be great. It's going to be fun. So she gets up and sings a little bit, and, uh, and we're just there uh, cheering her on. And then Nathan says, today, he's four years old, today the Bible story is mm, about Noah. Oh, he said, oh, good, this will be good. And, and he said, uh, Noah had a boat. And we would say, that's right, Nathan, that's right. He said, Noah had a lot of animals on that boat. Oh, that's right. He said, Noah would give boat rides. <laughs> I didn't remember that. And then all of a sudden, he kind of went off script and he said, and one day, Noah fell off the boat and a big fish swallowed him up. <laughs> so he, he was close on all that, but he'd heard the story, just got too many stories confused. Rachel, being the uh, uh, older uh, sister, says, well, I'll tell a story too, since the last one wasn't right, you know, she gave that in there. And she tells the story of Moses, and she go, does really good for a while, but then she goes off script for a second. She tells the burning bush, and this and that, and God said, she said, Moses, take your sandals off, because it's holy ground. She says, and then Moses said to God, why? And I thought, oh, oh here we go. And here, here it comes. She says, and God said, because I said so, that's why. Like, Where has she heard that, you know? But we had a tendency to, to I love to, to teach our kids the stories and, and the little principles and the, the hidden things in there. I, I overdid it one time with Rachel because when she was six that year, uh, after vacation Bible school, her teacher came up to Sue Lynn and I and said, would you care if we promoted Rachel uh, oh, three, four months early? And we thought, oh, oh, okay. Uh, Wait a second, is she talking too much? Is she acting up? Oh, no, no, no. She says, it's nothing like that. I said, well, what's the problem? She says, she corrects my Bible stories on that. <laughs> she, she says sometimes, well, that's right, but you, do, you know, very, people, very few people know this one. And she'd tell them some things that I had told her a little bit. So we, we had to make sure we guarded that and helped our kids love the Bible and, and integrate it into their heart and life. But, but sometimes it's a challenge. Now, to, to go back for a moment to that values and making sure that God's word is valued heavily and talked about and how that is caught rather than taught. I think when I heard James Dobson, some might remember James Dobson, Focus on the Family, had, had a movie series years and years ago, had a great book called Dare to Discipline. And, and in that, he talks about how 
uh, that, that those values have to be lived out, spiritual values, in front of our kids. And I heard him make the, the point one time out of the Old Testament, and it was a story you may may not have heard of, uh, a fellow by the name of Samuel, First and Second Samuel. Samuel uh, was given to the Lord by his mom and dad. His mom, Hannah, prayed for his son. She couldn't have kids, and she said, but if you give me a child, you give me a son, I'll give him right back to you, God. And she did. God was faithful, and she, after he was weaned, she brought him on back, and he learned from kind of a spiritual father figure a guy named Eli, who was the priest there. And as Dobson was telling the story that many of us ministry people knew in, in the crowd at the time, he said, if you know the story, what happened was Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were very evil. They were immoral with the women there involved in the, uh, you know, the, 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 the priestly work and all that. So they're immoral with God's people as leaders. And Eli did not confront them. So on one day, both of them were killed in battle, and Eli, when he hears the news, falls off of his stand, which was up off the ground a little bit, breaks his neck. All three die in one day. Samuel saw this up close. You would think if there was one guy who's saying, I'm not going to let that happen to my family, it would be Samuel. But when Samuel's kids had grown, they weren't immoral. His sons weren't immoral, but they took bribes. They had compromised their integrity. So God had to not use them, but go in a different way. And I'll never forget, this was, we, uh, Sula and I were just married, we didn't have kids. When I heard Dobson say that, he said, you can never underestimate the power of modeling. In other words, you and I can say the right thing time and time and time again. But if our kids see something different, they're going to get a whole different view on all that. And today, dads, we just want to encourage you to live out your faith, value scripture. But after the carb, after the loading up on the word of God and the bread of, of life, make sure that we turn the corner and get into that cardio, uh, which is what Nathan would call uh, staying in step with God. And we will stay in step with God or we'll stay out of step with God. We'll try to stay in step with our culture sometimes and that may be okay for a while, but when that conflicts with the values of God, that's when we have to make sure that we listen to his voice more clearly. The, the cardio, if you will, is our prayer life. It's our ability to stay dependent upon God and our prayer is how we catch our breath and how we keep our breath. How we're able to make sure that our heart is for God is pumping strong enough and that has to do with our ability to pray. Our ability to pull aside and just say, hey, we need to talk about that, but not just talk and not just read. We need to surrender that to God and to pray and ask him to do what we, we, uh, we don't really know exactly what to do, but to give us the wisdom in all that. Let me tell you one of the things that for Sula and I has been a tremendous blessing has been to not just pray for our kids, but to pray with our kids and to make sure there's a time of verbalizing that and being able to just uh, let them know as we pray over them and for them and with them all through the years to be able to make sure they, they understand that. You look in the Old Testament and you see a guy like Saul and Saul, uh, he followed Samuel not as a prophet, but a king. And if there's something about Saul's life, it doesn't say hardly at all that he inquired of the Lord. 
But the fellow that followed Saul was David. And David, every time you turn around, he's inquiring of the Lord, saying, God, what should I do? What would be your will in this matter? You look all through the Psalms, you see his heart was filled with prayer. Solomon, who followed David, he had one good prayer. Oh, God, give me wisdom if you would. I can't handle this country. I, uh, I'm just a kid. I can't lead. I need your heart. I need your wisdom. And that was a wonderful prayer. But you don't see Solomon praying a whole lot after that. David was a man of prayer. And we we're called to have the heart of David that is quick to pray and always remain dependent upon God. Now, the next part of that verse that Nathan began with is train up a child and the next phrase is in the way he should go. Now, that's uh, a lot of Bible scholars will say different things about that. But our, our kids are on a path, and, and we want to try to train them in the way that they should go. Is that way towards the Lord? Absolutely. Uh, is it also with a little bit of the bend that they have themselves? Yeah. In Hebrews 12, it says that we are to run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. And my race is a little bit different. My race is towards God, but it's going to take a different path than yours will. And our kids will even have a little bit of a different path. In Ephesians 6, in verses 1, and then jump into to verse 4, listen to what it simply says. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is, this is what's right. How many think that's a good place to stop? Say amen in closing prayer. We're done. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. But then it moves on and it says, fathers, don't exasperate your kids. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Don't exasperate them, okay? Dads can get pretty impatient sometimes. That's what we seem to do. And after thinking about this more this week, I've come to the conclusion that exasperated dads <laughs> will exasperate their kids. In other words, if I'm letting my work and this and everything else drain me and take away from me, I'm not going to be able to have the patience that God wants me to have. I'm not going to be filled with God's spirit and remain dependent upon him if I'm letting the world eat my lunch and wear me down. Now, there's times of honesty. I love Ephesians 4.15 where we're to speak the truth in love. But I don't know who came up with the phrase, let's be brutally honest. I don't like them, you know. None of us want that brutal honesty where somebody has a right and a privilege and a responsibility to just vent and condescend on us. That, that's never really healthy. We're not to burn down our kids. We're to build up our kids. And if we wait too long to speak the truth, then we won't, won't ever say it in love. So we have to find that balance. And as we raise our kids... One thing we've realized, our kids are very different. How many have figured that one out? Kids are very, very different. Okay, our daughter, Rachel, she's really creative, very compassionate, but she's a visionary pioneer. She just has that wanting to do something somebody else didn't do before. Nathan has a giftedness. He's, he's much more systematic. He's much more like his mom than he is, th than I am. Thank God for that, all right? He has a lot of common sense. He understands that. He's systematic. He's strategic in his thinking. And he's not as much of a visionary pioneer. He's a visionary pastor. He collab collaborates so much better than I ever did. 
He, he seeks other opinions. And, and we've had to realize, okay, our kids are different. So how do you do that and be fair and be consistent when they're very, very different? They are not each other. And let me say this to dads. They are not you. They are not like you. One of the more painful lessons I learned as a dad was dropping the ball in that regard. Let me give you a little context on that. We came here in 99. Uh, the church uh, was 1,200 when we got here. And uh, it grew from 1,050 in an interim time without a senior minister to 1,200. That told us a lot about the people and the leaders here. God's been here a long time before we ever got here. We've just got to encourage as much as we can over the last 22 years. But in those first years, in about the first six years, we added between five or 600 people every year, every year, every year. And we couldn't quite do all the infrastructure for it. We relocated all that to say Nathan graduates in 2000. He takes off to college. And I subconsciously impose upon him what I wanted when I left home after high school. I wanted a little bit of leave me alone. Yeah. I had grown up overprotected in a bubble, small town, small church. And I just thought, hey, we're real busy here in the life of the church. I bet he kind of wants to be a little more on his own. And I, we had monitored most everything. And I found myself pulling away, not being that constant support, thinking, assuming that he wanted what I wanted in that time of my life. And that was the farthest thing from the truth. It left a lot of abandoned hurt in him. It left a lot of things that we have had to process through that time. And you see, it, it, it can't be, uh, hey, hey, but I'm real busy here, man. We've got so much good. No, 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 no. I didn't follow along and be consistent with what our relationship was already all about. I made the mistake of giving him what I wanted at that age rather than what he needed, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so this is why the whole training thing for us is important. Uh, it's pretty hard in that first moment because that was the first time that um, I really was hurt by my dad that deeply. And sometimes when your hero hurts you, my dad was my best man in my wedding, uh, was my coach. Uh, was my pastor, was my dad, and uh, it leaves you a little bit disoriented when you get hurt. And uh, this is why we're really talking about training a child in the way they should go. Uh, and when we talk about this word community, what it really is about a community of being followers of Jesus is that you and I grow as a people of grace. Uh, I had to learn how to give my dad grace. I think sometimes that's what's hard and uh, I know Father's Day, we, we celebrate it and we want this to be great, but I know oftentimes for a lot of you in this room or online, Father's Day is actually really painful uh, because it hasn't always been great and hasn't always been this. And one of the things that God wants to train all of us in is learning how to give and receive grace to each other, to love each other through the painful things. Uh, I remember just the tearful conversation that we had and I really didn't know how to share it and I finally did and we just sat there and we just cried together walking through this of him wanting to be a great dad, me wanting to be a great son, but, but hurt. And what we needed and what bonded us and what healed us was grace. It was this work of Jesus and our relationship of father and son and broken people. 
And uh, this is why we see in the scriptures, you know, Paul is writing to Timothy. Uh, because what you maybe not know about Timothy, I didn't know this till a while ago, but Timothy had a Gentile dad, but his mom and his grandma were Jewish. And so his dad wasn't a believer in God, but his mom and his grandma was. And so he doesn't just come from a multi-ethnic home. He comes from a multi-religious home. And he needs a community. He needs people, believers, grace givers around him to help him thrive, to help him in his journey. And what we find, this is why all of us have a role here. Even if you're not a father here today, this is why every single one of us, we have a role, is this. When it talks about being a church, uh, this is what I just kind of put together is this. Every single one of us, we all need a Paul, we all need a Barnabas, and we all need a Timothy. Every single one of us, we need somebody who's ahead of us in the journey, who we can go to going, I, I don't know how to process this. Would you help me? This is the value that all of us bring, is that all of us in this room, if you think about it, all of us in this room are a step ahead of somebody. <laughs> and the beauty of the church is God is saying, I want you to help somebody else process their pain. We all need a Paul. We all need a Barnabas. We need people who are going to be with us in our pain, who are going to walk with us. But then here's the other thing. Every single one of us, we need to be people who are raising up Timothys. People who are investing our life in one another, raising each other up. You know, dad was honest and he, he shared with you his greatest regret. And it was the community of my parents that helped me walk through my greatest sin and struggle. Uh, when I was 14, it was right when the internet started coming out. And I had a bunch of friends out in Las Vegas. Imagine that, friends in Vegas. And uh, when the internet came out, uh, they started sending me pornographic pictures. The internet was new. As a 14-year-old boy, I hadn't seen anything like this. And I remember just this being exposed to this sin and what it did to my heart and my mind. And what happened was this. Uh, my parents actually found it on the computer. And I remember the day they called me into the living room and said, Nathan, we want to talk to you. Call me down from my room. Hey, what's going on? We found this. It's about as silent as it is right now. I just began to cry. I cried because I was embarrassed of my sin. But I also cried because I let my parents down. And the beautiful thing about this community of grace was this. My parents didn't yell at me. They opened up the Bible to Psalm 51 when David was caught in his sin. They began to pray scripture over me. A lot of tears, a lot of hugs. Oh, I got grounded. All right, don't let it sound too spiritual. <laughs> I was 14, and they knew the seriousness of this moment. And this is what they knew. We need to train our child in the way he needs to go. So later on, when he's a dad, he won't depart from it. And they grounded me, but here was the grounding. The grounding would take place in two years. When I could get my license, I had to wait six months after I could get my license. This is what they knew. If he doesn't feel the consequences of sin now, he will run face forward 
into it later on in life and we will not be the parents that he needs. 25 years later, I'm standing here going, thank God for parents who gave themselves to training. There's a tearful moment, but 25 years later, I'm so grateful they did that. Matter of fact, parents, we've uh, partnered with a, an organization. It's called Access, and it's on our uh, student website. It's called mynorthside.com students if you go there. What this form is for you parents is this. We know there's all sorts of issues going on in today's world. And if you go there, what we want to do for you is we can't parent for you, but we sure can parent with you. And uh, if you go there, you can fill out the form, and here's what we want you to do. If you're struggling with stuff like that in your family right now, if there's anxiety, if there's all sorts of things going on, you can type in whatever issue, and our student ministry teams are going to supply all the resources with you and for you. This is what it means to be a community of grace, that we walk with one another, that we're for one another. And here's the thing I learned the most about my dad. I didn't learn the most about him in my success. I learned the most about him in my failure. In my failure. See, this is what makes Father's Day so special. This is what every single one of us in this room has in common. That our Heavenly Father doesn't just see us in our success. Our Heavenly Father sees us in our failures. And He gives us His Son. Matter of fact, this is one of my favorite quotes. It's from Henry Nowen from his book, The Return of the Prodigal, which all of us are prodigals. And he says this. He said, trust is that deep inner conviction that the Father wants me home. That our Heavenly Father wants us home. And he wants us home so we can quit trying and we can become godly like him, that our hearts and our lives can be made new. Nate's gonna pray over us in a moment, but you know there's gotta be a song to end this one, don't you know that? Yeah, yeah, oh, it's okay. I knew this was gonna be hard, this is awful hard, but I'm sorry, I love you. Just listen to the words one time. It's an old little worship song in the 80s. And then sing it along with me. It's an invitation song. But it's an invitation to be people who will help harvest, help plant and, and sow and, and cultivate hearts. And That's what God has called us to be, men and women alike. Just kind of listen this first time through and then sing along with me. Then Nate will come and pray. Come and join the reapers, all the kingdom seekers, laying down your life to find it in the end. Come and share the harvest, help to light the darkness for the Lord is calling
faithful man. Guys, more than anything else, please know that we are in the game right now. And he's called us to be fathers, spiritual fathers to everyone. Join me in this song. Let it be an invitation to your heart. Some of us need to re-enlist. Some of us need to reconsider. And let God do in us and through us what he wants to do. Let's sing it together. Come and join the reapers, all the kingdom seekers, laying down your life to find it in the end. Come and share the harvest, help to light the darkness for the Lord is calling faithful men for the Lord for the Lord is calling faithful men just want to invite everybody if you would let's just stand together just want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. I let dad do the singing. I'll do the praying. We just want to pray over you guys today that your father wants you home. That when we come to the end of ourselves, we actually find the life that we were made for in Jesus. So father, right now, we just say, thank you. Thank you that you meet us right where we are. And Jesus, you want us home with you. Father, we pray right now for the dads in this room who, God, want to be great dads, but like all of us, Father, we, we need your wisdom and we need your ways. We need your grace. Father, would you give the dads in this room your joy? Would you give the spiritual fathers in this room your peace and your calling? And Lord, for all of us in this room, would we recognize that, God, you've created us and you've called us to be spiritual parents to one another, to raise others up, to walk in your ways, to know you, to know your word, to have relationship with you. Jesus, we thank you that you truly are our older brother and you come after us and you lead us home to give us your spirit. So today, Father, as we eat, as we hang, as we laugh, maybe for some of us as we cry together today, Jesus, may we do it with your joy. And we pray all of this in your name, Jesus. And all God's people said together, amen. amen. May you go with him today, everybody. We love you.